All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. Welcome to the Teacher Talking Time Podcast for language learners, the cult of learning. The aim of our series is actually very simple, to encourage humans, language learners, to find and pursue that thing that they're passionate about when they're learning a foreign language. This podcast, the Cult of Learning series, are episodes for learners of languages. Are you learning English? Then this is the podcast for you. In these episodes, we discuss all kinds of things. We discuss tools and strategies for learning, as well as trying to provide opportunities for you to actually practice your listening. And here we are in our latest episode, episode 13. In today's episode, we will start a new series because we do love series. And we're calling this one the three essentials of language learning. In other words, we will talk about what really helps folks out there learn a language. Do you need a teacher? Do you need to be motivated? Should you listen to a lot of podcasts in the language that you're trying to learn? What are the three essentials of learning a foreign language? The answer to these questions you will find in this new series of the Cult of Learning podcast. But before we get the ball rolling, Mike, we have a few important reminders. What are they? That's right. If you're listening, everyone, to our podcast, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast player, also our YouTube channel. And if you want to learn more about the work we do and the courses we offer, don't forget to visit our website. And please subscribe to our mailing list for all those exclusive bonuses and promotions that we just love to give away. Um, also, big announcement, Leo. If what you is are it? a language learner, well, if you are a language learner and you're tired of learning in the classroom, or I should say, want to learn beyond the classroom, then you need to try our self-directed learning portal. Now, for many of you, this is new. This is an expansion of our school of learning. And what it is, is for $5, you get unlimited access to our self-directed learning portal, which is basically a series of tasks that helps you through your learning journey. And if you like the school of learning and the self-directed learning portal, then you really do have to also consider our quick fixes, which are these kind of specific, really kind of mini lessons that really help you focus on things like how to extend a conversation or how to master that tricky IELTS speaking exam and just boosting your other language proficiency scores in general. Quick fixes are only $10 and we guarantee that you will definitely notice improvements in your language. So get started now. Mike, I have a question to ask you before we jump right into the episode. Did you say $5 for the self-directed learning portal? Yeah, I know, right? It feels, uh, it feels a little weird saying that and probably hearing that out there. <laughs> but, but let me tell you the reason behind that. We, okay. you know, we really do see ourselves as the Netflix of learning and not just for language learning, but education at large. And that's really what this three-part series is going to focus on. In addition to that, we do not think that price should be a, a, a barrier, Leo. 
for anyone mm-hmm. to try and improve themselves. And, you know, our, our colleague, Andrew, we always, we always kind of joke about this. Really, what we are, we are the 1% club. We're a group of one percenters. And all that means is that we just challenge ourselves to be 1% better than who we were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And over time, we're going to join that elite community, that elite group that we want to be a part of through our hard work. So mm-hmm. if you're a one percenter, join our self-directed learning program, join our community. We'll, we'll be there again along that learning journey. But yeah, Leo, $5, give me a break. I was going to say on. that, man. It's cheaper than a latte at uh, that coffee place, uh, Starbucks, right? Cheaper. Yeah, Way cheaper. Know, right? Yeah. I'd pay $5 just to have a latte with you, Leo. That's right. But for $5, you will have learning activities. You're going to learn how to learn. And Mike, you're also going to have live classes, right? See, that's the other great thing, right? Because nobody likes learning by themselves. Um, We all need that community. So we are going to have live lessons as well, mostly geared towards English language learning. However, I know we have some Spanish language learners that are joining because, again, they want to develop those habits required to just get 1% better each day. Similarly, I have a group of students that are studying Chinese, and I think they're joining as well, just so they can um, apply what they learn in the self-directed learning portal to their Mandarin classes. So really excited, great vibe, already in you know really active communication yeah. with a lot of the members. So if you're looking to learn better, learn faster, and build your network of friends, in English, then self-directed learning portal is for you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Cult of Learning. And I'm here joined with by Mike. Mike, welcome back. It's great to be here. I got to say, spring is on its way. It's, uh, what are we? We're looking at April, May now. I mean, this is gorgeous, right? The vaccines are getting out. Yes. I am pumped. Yes. Yes. I got my shot. I got my jab very recently, but we won't talk about that. No, 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 no. No, we got three essential... Well, the three essentials of language learning on our plate. That's exactly today, right? it. So I asked, I asked at the beginning of the episode, I asked um, everyone uh, three questions. Basically, what really helps people learn a foreign language? Do you need a teacher? Do you need to be motivated? Should you listen to a lot of podcasts or read a lot of books in the language that you're trying to learn? What are these essentials of learning a foreign language? Those are some of the questions that we're going to be trying to answer in this um, episode, in this podcast series, Mike. Um, and we're going to be starting with the first one today. So when learn, and you said this, Mike, when we're learning a foreign language, I think it's really important for us to cultivate, for us to develop um, habits, habit formation, but also we need to create a very effective learning environment. And this environment is not only inside the classroom, but also outside the classroom. So Mike, what are some important factors that affect our learning experience? Yeah, and I really liked how you focus on both the inside the classroom and outside of the classroom. Because I, I think a lot of our listeners would, would say that they, they probably improve the most when they are using the language outside of the classroom or when they're getting that support. But when I think back to the classroom 
I think, you know, a lot of it depends on how you learned in the past, right? Mm -hmm. I think your previous learning experience is really important. Was it positive? Was it negative? If it was negative, you know, what would you do maybe next time to get around it? If it was positive, um, why was it positive? What were the, what were the factors that made it such a rewarding experience? Um, you know, all kinds of other things. I think even Leo at a personal level, right? Like everyone has to kind of reflect about their learning style, mm-hmm. um, uh, your own kind of cognitive style, you know, how do you think, feel about certain things? Um, how do you use your senses uh, and intuition when you're learning? I think that that's quite key. Um, and I think also, and maybe you can jump in here, mm. it's also understanding that learning is not linear right? Mm-hmm. That, that you, you kind of go back and forth. It's like a zigzag. And maybe it's motivation funny. is also kind of playing a role there, right? Oh, absolutely. Motivation. Um, I think age, that's something that we, we need to take into account because can anyone learn a language regardless of how young or how old they are? I think they can. Sure. I think it's possible. I also find that personality plays a very important role in, in, our, in our learning experience because if you are an extrovert, an introvert, if you are the kind of person who is able to teach yourself how to notice things, how to notice language, how to notice patterns, all of which will definitely affect our learning and our strategies, because this is important, Mike, strategies. I think very few students, very few language learners are very good at strategizing their learning. They, they are bombarded with information. They collect, as you said earlier in our conversation, that student who said, I need a grammar book. Teacher, mm. what grammar book do you recommend? I feel like that's the only way she thinks she knows she can learn, right? Yeah, and, and if we're thinking about strategies, we're, we're, we're actually not necessarily looking at memorizing more words. Or, or, or being able to, to write those sentences in the grammar book. What we're talking about, folks, are actual habits you can cultivate to help you become a more efficient learner. Okay, so yes. that's really what we want to focus on here. And I think for many students, um, it's just, it's not so much not, not doing it. I think you don't notice the gap until you notice the gap, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I... I don't know. I don't know how to build a website until I try to build a website and I can't do it. And then it's at that point that I I need the coaching. And I think also, folks, let's remember English is a tool, right? Just like uh, just like learning how to swing a golf club, right? It's it's you you really got to work on it. And it's not as easy as watching other people do it. You have to have, as we said earlier, this I this this knowledge of the language but also this ability to perform in the language. And that's the, ba- that's the balance that's difficult to strike. And, mm-hmm. that's the, and the learning strategies are what gets you there. This is not related to the episode, but you said something that really resonated with, with something that I was reading and researching earlier today. Um, are you familiar with Maslow's four stages of learning anything? Yeah, that sounds familiar. So he basically says, Mike, that we go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence Mm -hmm. to unconscious competence 
No, sorry. I messed it up. I messed it up. It's you go from unconscious incompetence. That's the first stage. That's basically, Mike, when you don't know no. that you don't know. Right. So you have completely wrong intuition about something. And then right. you move to conscious incompetence. That's when you know that, that you, you don't, don't know. know. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there yeah. was a wrong and that's analysis. The gap. That, yes. That's like one of the gaps. Yeah. That's one of the gaps. I but have then, a knowledge gap. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking about brushing your teeth, for example. Like you think you know how to brush your teeth, but then when you realize, when you actually do research and you, I found out recently while I was studying this, that 90% of people brush their teeth incorrectly because we, we, we brush our teeth based on how our parents taught us. Okay. So you're like, oh, okay. And then you move to the third stage of learning, which is the conscious competence. So now you have a right analysis. So now you know how to do something through conscious involvement with that learning experience. So like you have to focus. That's the part of the habit part. You have to, you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the reps. You have to do the work, but you need to focus. And then the last level, that's the mastery level. That's the unconscious competence when you you basically automatically know, do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's Without very interesting. Thinking, right? Without yes. thinking. Yeah. Like Without riding thinking. a bike, right? Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. But even when you're riding a bike, you go through those four stages. I remember when sure. my son was learning how to ride a bike. He's like, oh, I want to ride a bike. I was like, go ahead, jump on it. And he fell immediately. Why? Because he didn't know that he didn't know how to ride it. Because we are all ignorant at first. And I think we need to understand that. But that was a little bit of a deviation. Good timing on that. No, no, it's good. Exactly. That's it's exactly what I was getting at. And I think at mm-hmm. different stages, you're going to be looking at different different strategies, right? Yes. Uh, yes. If you don't notice what you don't know, then maybe that first strategy is noticing and being mm-hmm. a better noticer. So we'll, but we'll talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. So just to go back to what we were talking about, Mike, a lot of research has been done on how those individual differences, our personality, our age, our motivation, our conscious or unconscious competence or incompetence, our learning experiences, as you said, a lot of those things, they affect our learning experience. But the reality is that we don't really know how much about, we don't know much actually very much about how people learn languages. So it's very important for us to focus in this series of episodes on on factors, specifically these factors, um, motivation, age, personality. These are external factors. They cannot be influenced by, by the teachers. But what we can do is we can think of designing learning environments, designing learning experiences that can actually help you, the listener, and ourselves help uh, ourselves learn better. So there are these four conditions, Mike, for, for language learning. Okay. Um, so what we do know, like I said, we don't know how, we don't know much about how people learn languages, but what we do know is that there are certain principles, there are certain foundations upon which we can create better conditions for language learning to take place. And hopefully in this episode series, these principles will guide us. These principles will help us. These principles will inform us and you, listener, on how we can create an environment that is really going to stimulate 
the kind of learning that we all need to go through. So, Mike, what are these conditions that researchers tend to agree on when it comes to learning a language? Well, the three essential conditions are exposure, motivation, and use. And Acronym. I think it's a bird. Emu. Yes. <laughs> Emu. It's an, it's an Australian bird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exposure. My, my hair at the moment kind of looks like an emu's feathers, actually. <laughs> Long story, folks. But anyways, I went for a run and anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, exposure? Exposure, motivation, and use. Okay. Emu. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I would say that all of these are appreciative. I think that mm -hmm. if you add these all three together, one helps the other. And this is kind of right. nice little... They're interconnected, right? Interconnected, yeah. exactly. So we will talk about each of these exposure, motivation, and use in the next three episodes. But today, Mike, let's focus on exposure. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what exposure is and why it helps you with language learning. Okay, we'll be right back. I studied English in a classroom for years, but felt I was not improving and not having fun either. I did not know how to learn a language. Then I found the Learn Your English online membership. My name is Victor and I am an LYE member. This membership is for people who are passionate about learning English in their own way. These are not classes. This is learning outside of the classroom. We learn by participating in activities just for us, effective and fun. The special thing about the community is that the teachers will do anything they can to find the best way for you to learn. In my case, it has been through philosophy, psychology and life in general. Head over to the Learn Your English website for all the details. That is learnyourenglish.com. Ready to take control of your learning? Join me today in the Learn Your English student community. Hi, my name is Yasmin. I'm from Iran. And right now you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Salam. من یاسمن هستم اهل ایرانم و شما الان شنونده Teacher Talking Time Learn Your English Podcast And we're back Mike, exposure the first feather of the bird here the first feather of the emu of the emu, emu. yes, emu. yes. yes. <laughs> so what, what is let's, first of all for us to understand exposure let's first define it so what is exposure, Mike? Yeah. So first of all, folks, if you look this up in your dictionary, I'm sure you'll see some really interesting expressions, especially if you look at the verb expose. But really what I'm thinking about, Leo, is exposure to a language. I'm thinking, you know, I'm connected. I'm, there's some sort of contact with something, right? Mm -hmm. So like in this case, maybe language learners might co have contact with the language that they're trying to learn. And I think that mm -hmm. that this that this kind of contact is kind of holistic like you're kind of mm -hmm. surrounded by it but also these other little specific features of language that kind of crop up um can we can we break down that holistic and specific for for the listeners more specifically what does it mean to have holistic exposure holistic contact with the language hmm. i think it's more related to having being within the, uh, the environment, right? And having mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. being around you in different areas of your life. Um, yes. And being kind of immersed or surrounded by the language, right? And you don't have to necessarily, Mike, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this one, 
but you don't have to necessarily live in that specific country where the language is spoken. So for example, growing up in Brazil, I was exposed to English pretty much 80% of the time because I was only reading in English, I was teaching English, I was only speaking English. A lot of my input was in English. I was receiving information in English and I was producing information in English. So even though I wasn't living in a English in an English speaking country, my exposure was mostly holistic, right? Yeah, I, and I totally agree with that. And I would actually say in education at large, I think for for our for our people out there that are learning code, for our people that are trying to learn maybe marketing strategies, um, you can still expose yourself to that target community by by doing simple things, by doing what Leo talked about, by by getting up to date with all of the literature on the subject, by posting keywords, key terminology about your field or, or target field around your room so that you, mm -hmm. you know, these terms, these, these areas, these, these facets of language become part of your active daily vocabulary, so to speak, so that you begin to embody the role of being a coder or the role of being a, a marketer. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great point, Leo. And I don't think it's only ex exclusive to language learning. I yeah. think if I'm a, if I want to be a chemist, I need to learn all of those formulas. I got to, you know, I really got to live and eat, sleep, breathe it every day. And it's up to me as a learner to find opportunities to do that, to expose Absolutely. myself to that content. And what would be the specific exposure, Mike? I think that's important for, for language learners. What would be a very good example of that? Yeah, I think expo specific exposure would be maybe having a specific job or area mm. that you'd like mm. to use the language. So for example, if I want to um, be a customer service agent, I need to find opportunities where I'm going to expose myself to customer service English or customer service language. Ah, I'm on the so right track would... with that? Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. I, I agree. I was, I was about to, to ask you that. I think it's a great yeah. example because um, I think a lot of the times students are not exposing themselves to the kind of English that they actually need. So mm -hmm. a lot of students are studying grammar, but what they're studying is the written form of the language. And a lot of these students don't want to write in the language. They want to speak the language. Therefore, they're they're exposing themselves to a very specific aspect of the language that is not related to the kind of language that they want to produce, right? I, I don't know if I'm in the yeah, right. No, I, I think you're. I think you're on the ball with that, right? It's. It's. We've talked about this before with motivation and a little bit. It's who do I want to be? Based on that, what do I need to know? So if it's, mm -hmm. if I'm a language learner. If I want to be the type of person who can go into a sports bar in Japan and talk about soccer, then I need to be exposing myself to the vocabulary, the expressions, mm -hmm. the idioms in Japanese that are going to help me do that. Otherwise, I'm going to go in there with my textbook Japanese from mm -hmm. uh, uh, my business and uh, Japanese business, or sorry, business Japanese textbook. And uh, I'm, I'm going to know how to talk about the photocopier that's broken, but I'm not going to be able to talk about 
the, the injured player and, and, and the, all the expressions around changing the lineup and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I, I think you really have to pinpoint how it is you want to use the language and focus on that. And we were joking earlier about students really wanting textbooks. I'd love to know if they, <laughs> after these students read these textbooks and do all those exercises, how many of those sentences they actually use in their everyday life. I mean, exactly. I, I've been guilty of it with, with learning Japanese. Um, I learned Japanese. I learned, the, I learned the grammar in the textbooks and I write it in, in hiragana, katakana, and kanji. <laughs> and then the second I need to actually produce it spontaneously, it's not there, right? Because yeah. it's, it's not meaningful when I'm learning yeah. it. I'm just regurgitating and copying. So you got to expose yourself to, to the language as much as possible, but you really need to be specific about how you want to learn it and how you want to use that language. But I think, again, it's true about education at large and it's true about just skills and, and, and life goals as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think you've made a very good point. Specifically, a question that I always... I'm always asked when we when I think about exposure, and students have asked me this before, Leo, where do we get this exposure? And I think you kind of talked a little bit about it. I think we can get the exposure both in the classroom and outside the classroom. In the classroom, a teacher can provide you with lots of examples of the language that you are trying to learn being used in very different contexts and from different speakers. And I think the part about different speakers is really important. Because I have a very good example about this, Mike. I have a friend who learned Portuguese from a woman. And that was the only okay. source of exposure he had. He basically learned Portuguese by having daily conversations with this woman that he was dating. So eventually, one day, I went out with him and he said, hey, Leo, can I speak Portuguese with you? And I said, sure, let's do it. What do you think he sounded like? Sounded like a woman speaking Portuguese, probably. Exactly, exactly, yeah, because yeah. that was the only thing he was exposed right. to. So, so you need that variety. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's so a it's, diet. It's a good diet. Exposure is like yeah. your diet, if we think mm -hmm. about it, right? Like you have mm -hmm. to have your, your you, you cannot get your, your vegetables from the same store. You can get your vegetables <laughs> from different stores, I guess. Uh and what about outside the classroom, Mike? I think when you move to a, an English-speaking country sure, or to a, yeah. any country where the language is spoken, you just you will naturally, right, get a lot of exposure and a lot of opportunities to learn. But as you said earlier, you need to be attuned. You need to be aware. You need to be noticing. As you said, Mike, you need to really pinpoint the kind of language that you want to learn. Because if you don't know, then you're going to be overwhelmed with information, right? Right, right. So you need to, everything has a purpose, right? Like, mm -hmm. why am I watching this, this movie? Why am I reading this text? You know, what am I trying to get out of it exposure-wise that's mm -hmm. going to help me? Remember, folks, it only needs to be 1%. 1% yes. better each day. Exactly, exactly. So, which brings us to... Another level of exposure, another layer of exposure. So how can learners expose themselves to the language? Mike, I think you said it, input. They need a lot of input. That input can be listening. That input can be like our podcast, for example. It can be mm -hmm. via reading um, or both or both. But or this, both, it, yeah. Yeah, right? But it can be conscious as we were talking about the competence 
or it could be a subconscious process. And I'll never forget this because I was talking to a good friend of mine, Chris, who was also learning Japanese. And he said to me that what he was doing when he was trying to learn Japanese, Mike, is he would do the dishes and he would put a show on in Japanese in the background. And he mm -hmm. said, Leo, even though I didn't understand 95% of what they were saying, he said, I would always hear one or two sounds, one or two words that I would understand. And he right. said, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. What, what do you have to say about that? Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Because there's other things that at play there, right? If we're talking about language use, it's also the rhythm of the language. Mm -hmm. It's the sociocultural aspect. You know, how are people being interrupted? How are they responding to these announcements? And right, if, if it's a variety show, how are how's the audience responding? How's the interviewer responding to mm -hmm. the, the the answers that the the talent or the the celebrities providing? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe all you'll pick up just knowing a little bit about Japanese. Maybe you'll just pick up is eh, but you know that shows interest. And that's important. That's a light, like that's that's a lifesaver in uh, izakaya, right? If someone's yeah. telling a story, even if you don't know, blah 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 blah, football, da 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 win, da da. It shows yeah. that you're interested, and and mm -hmm. again, that exposure and that opportunity in your interest is hopefully going to lead to future opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you need to build. We talked about exposure at large, but you also need to build that network outside of the classroom. Yes, right? yes. That support network of of like minded friends, but also people who speak the language and are also interested in talking yes. to you. Yes, and and you said something interesting there because exposure also involves dealing with what is the message that is being um, communicated, the message that is being um, um, passed on. Because when you're, when you're exposed to the language, you're really trying to make sense of what you're hearing. You're really trying to make sense of what you're reading. And as you said, Mike, if you are trying to learn more about customer service English, you are really paying attention to how those people around you are expressing the meanings that they want to express and you're paying attention to that and you're noticing ah okay i noticed that every time someone my mother actually is a very good example of this because she know she learned from textbook english that when you order something you say excuse me i would like to order uh coffee but when she was at a coffee shop here she said i never heard anyone saying, I would like to order a coffee. She right. said, nobody yeah. says that. And I said, what did you hear, mom? She said, can I get a, can I get a, can I get a, I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have a right. coffee. Yeah. I'll have a double-double. I'll have a frappuccino. Can I get a frappuccino? And she said, but it's interesting because she said she learned, I would like to order a coffee. And I said, <laughs> nobody's like i mean you could say that but only if you are in a very formal meeting so then we have register you have context and everything mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and i think that's where the learning strategies come in leo because mm -hmm. i think we can help through the self-directed learning por portal um help learners become better noticers and i think yes. that definitely that's been the feedback from a lot of the members is that yeah, I always knew how to find a word, like, or, or how to reading a book, reading a, an article. I always knew how to identify words I, I was unfamiliar with. 
Um, but I always just checked them in my dictionary. I never went beyond that deeper yes. understanding of, okay, well, well, why is it being used? How is it being used? And then again, mm -hmm. how might I use this in my, yes. my real life or my own situation? And I think, I think with the self-directed learning portal, we really help people with that. But unless mm -hmm. you're noticing, um, it's really tough to improve, right? Like yes. you do have to be aware um, and think about, mm -hmm. okay, I've, I've noticed that it's, I, I'm, I'm going to get, or I, I, uh, I'll have, how am I going to use it, right? How am mm -hmm. I going to hold myself accountable and make yes. that part of my active yeah. vocabulary, active English? Yeah, no, it's, it's true, Mike. And I think exposure kind of go hand, goes hand in hand with, with noticing because both of them are very important because if you, if you don't have the exposure and if you don't have the noticing, you can't really learn a language because once you are exposed to the language, you notice the language. When you notice the language, the language is processed in your mind. When the language is processed, you finally understand it. And when you understand it, it becomes part of your internal language system. And if it's become part of your internal language system, then you can use. So it's a very long process, but it all starts with exposure. And as you said, Mike, noticing. The last point, Mike, before we, 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 um, we wrap up this episode is, what kind of input should learners, should people be exposing themselves to? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. And, and folks, we know that there's a debate out there in the ESL world, the English language teaching world. But, but Leo, I got to say, it, it's got to be rich, but, mm -hmm. but it has to also be comprehensible, right? And this goes back to what Chris said earlier, right? It's, it's, you just can't have, be bombarded with, with all of this content and all of this um, cognitive load, but all of this mm -hmm. language, um, it also has to be comprehensible to you, right? Like mm -hmm. um, real language, but, but also not too far advanced beyond your level, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also, Mike, I would say that it has to be the kind of language that you are more likely to need or you wish to understand and use yourself. And, and I'll tell you why. Because if I show you an academic article and you are not an academic and you don't want to learn academic English, what use will that article be for you? And, and likewise, um, if, I, if I'm a university student, a first year student who's using English as an additional language and all I'm reading is Instagram posts and magazines, <laughs> I'm not going to, to be able to recognize academic language and use it in my academic writing. So I need to actually go out and read essays. Mm -hmm. I need to look at, I need to expose myself to uh, science reports, um, academic essays, journal mm -hmm. articles. Otherwise, I'm never going to get the language that I need for my real life. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of how you and I both learned how to read and write academically. Oh, we were sure. never taught yeah. how to do those things. We, no. were simply, we were simply exposing ourselves to a, a rich diet of academic articles. And then we started noticing how cert, certain writers write. And we kind of like started copying that. And then eventually 
once you become more comfortable with it, you can kind of like starting your own, adding your own voice and making some changes and, and all that. Yeah. And, and I think like, again, this is not something that's exclusive to learning a language. Um, I think that this, this idea of, of genre analysis, of familiarizing yourself with the language of your community, as Ann Johns would say, is this ongoing journey. It's a mm -hmm. never-ending journey because yeah. genres, we get 20 years ago, no one would have thought about an Instagram post, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or a tweet, but that's a genre. And you have to know, you know, what, what constitutes a good tweet. How should yeah. you shape your tweet? What should you avoid in your tweet? Um, if you want to be the person who impacts others on Twitter or impacts others on Instagram. And the only way to get there is to notice what other people are doing. Find good models and find a way to apply that to your context. Yeah, but it's Absolutely. an endless pursuit, Leo, because yeah. these genres keep coming up everywhere. I know we do it as a company. We're like, oh, wow, like, look at marketing genres. Isn't this cool how they kind of set, um, set the, the tone and, and get people interested in their products? And we certainly hope that we do that with you. <laughs> but also, again, it's, it's, it's not coming out of a vacuum. Mm -hmm. these, are, these are texts that have patterns and you need to notice them yeah. and notice them. Maybe you'll be a better business person. Maybe and you'll it, be a better English writer. Yeah. I was just thinking about what you said because I had a, a lesson with a student very recently and, and he's a lawyer and he was telling me about, about um, an incident that happened in his country. And it's funny because he started talking to me about that incident in English. And he started talking about it. And of course, he was struggling with some words. You know, he said the guy entered the building, you know, and he had like a, a knife, whatever. I don't remember the full story. But it's interesting because he actually gave me a very brief summary of the story. He said, okay, I found the same story on CNN. And I said, now let's read the story and let's compare the language that you used and the language that the newspaper used. And Mike, I didn't really have to teach him any vocabulary. He was able to naturally mm -hmm. make those associations. So I think when it comes to input, folks, read the news first in your first language, then find Great a similar idea. article in the, in the foreign language that you're trying to learn. And, or, or even Mike, what we say, narrow reading, read different articles on the same topic from different sources. That's a right. very good way of exposing yourself to the same patterns, to the same words, to the same ideas. And I think, I don't think we need to change to modify the input. I think we just need to find ways around it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I really love what you said there about starting with your first language, because one of the first questions of this episode was what impacts our, our learning, our development. And the number one impact is our prior knowledge, right? All of those tools and skills that we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting with your first language, that's great because you're, 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 you're starting the process from a position of power. And then you're becoming more powerful as you begin to see how that knowledge can then translate into English. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. there probably are a lot of words that that student probably knew. But there were some technical words, Leo, that, that they probably needed some help with. Yeah. And 
the thing is, reading the article in English, they probably noticed mm-hmm. the word, right? Holding a machete. It wasn't a knife. It was a machete. Also yeah. not entered, broke into. They're right, oh, exactly. Broke into. So he was able to. So that brings us to a very important point. When students listen or when they read input that is not natural, modified input, you know, that comes from a textbook or that comes from a, 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 a published material conversation where it's slow. And this is why I tell you, Mike, I, I think our podcast is great because we're not modifying our input. We're no, really talking to you in the way that we normally would talk if we were having a conversation at a pub. Because when you modify input, you create problems because there will be distortions of the language. There will be distortions in the intonation pattern. Learners will never get used to coping um, or to even copying um, mm-hmm. natural speech because, again, we're not like this is not how people communicate. So if we what we really want is we really want you to get used to this. If you listen to this podcast, if you start listening to the first episode of The Cult of Learning, I am pretty sure you are probably familiar. Your listening has already improved quite a lot because we need you to feed on a diet of rich input not impoverished input because if we focus <laughs> on this impoverished impoverished mike what's another word for impoverished poor poor or lacking, uh, lacking skinny, nutri- skinny, skinny skinny input yeah yes yeah. yes it's like eating uh it's like eating like uh, input light uh, input light <laughs> <laughs> I like that input light. No, it has no, to be. No, but wait, but yeah, right. You're not going to get. You're not going to. People want to sound natural, right? Yes. Nobody. I know. I'm not going to sound like a, 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 a native speaking Japanese person, right? But I just mm-hmm. want to sound natural. I want to make when I speak Japanese, or or perhaps when others are out there speaking Spanish mm-hmm. or Mandarin, they want it so that there's less strain on the person across the table from them. <laughs> Right, they just yeah. want to make it so that their message gets out there, and in yeah. in a way that that makes it easier for others to know. And yeah. and I think you can't you can't pronounce Japanese by reading from a textbook or repeating after a a, a textbook. I feel the best way is to to watch a show like Terrace House, choose mm-hmm. a section of the text, and and find a you know I'm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a male, I'm an English speaking male, but it's interesting. They have a lot of Japanese Americans on that show. And um, it's interesting to, to hear how they produce Japanese and speak Japanese. And I think it's closer to what I would be able to produce. So I try and mimic my Japanese after them, not necessarily mm. the, 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 the MC who's, you know, <laughs> a full on Japanese person who's zipping at a thousand miles per hour. But or I the still Japanese think I'm getting to where guy. I want to be. Pardon? Or the textbook Japanese uh, Or the textbook Japanese Who probably guy speaks very... Robotically, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And somebody asked a question um, recently, and I decided to include this in the podcast before we, we wrap this up. Leo, should we, should we read graded readers or simplify texts? Are they any good? Mike, my answer is no. Because hmm. I find that when we simplify a text, when we change the text too much, the text lose its authenticity, not in terms of it was written by uh, a a person who actually speaks the language, but it loses certain features, lexical chains, complex noun phrases, certain aspects 
of cohesion simply disappear, right? And this deprives, this, this removes this opportunity from, from, from the reader to actually become acquainted with, with these original forms, to struggle, you know, and to encounter language that is frequently used because learning is often, and it has to become associated with struggling. Grammatical simplicity obscures meaning. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll just relate it to the self-directed learning portal. Mm. We always, folks, we always, if, if you're a member, you know this. If you're not a member, you will know this when you join. Um, we talk about the jungle, Leo. We oh, have yes. to be prepared for, for living in the jungle, right? If you're going to, if you're getting ready to move to Japan, um, surrounding yourself with textbooks is not going to help. You need to surround yourself with the messiness yes. of real world language. And yes. Leo's right. It's, there's lots of forests in the jungle, lots of trees in the jungle. Just like if mm -hmm. you have a text, a, a, a new, an authentic um, news article, maybe a lot of unfamiliar words there, right? A lot of trees in that jungle. But you can work your way through it if you know the proper strategies. And yes. we've already talked about it. That's noticing. It's noticing the language and maybe it's starting with a small piece of that text, Leo, and getting bigger and then bigger and then bigger. But you got to be prepared to live in the jungle, folks, and the yes. self-directed learning portal. That's what we're all about. It's about mm -hmm. helping you live in the jungle with, with Spanish, with English, with whatever language you're learning. But, but we'll teach you how to use a compass so you don't get lost, of course, right? That's, that's basically what that's we're doing. That's what the self-directed portal is. It's a compass. Yeah. Yes. And then you have your live lessons, so you get that teacher support. But, and that we're not saying that you shouldn't have a teacher. I don't think we'd argue for that. But what no. you need is a guide, Leo. You need yes. a, tra a tour guide <laughs> tour to guide. help you get through the jungle. Uh, or like a Tarzan. Yeah, who's just showing you the intricacies, who's showing you where the where the dangers, where the danger is. Um, yeah. and then you know, eventually you will find your way around. Hopefully Tarzan love... doesn't expose himself to That's us. That's right. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in this episode, episode 13, we introduce the three essentials of language learning. And Mike, what's the bird acronym for people to remember this? Emu. Mm -hmm. So E stands for exposure. The M stands M for is motivation. And finally, and use. Use. Right? You got the use. Yes. So very important. Now that you've you've listened to this entire podcast, we're gonna give you about ten seconds for you to think about maybe one or two key takeaways. What were some of so two important lessons that you've learned from this podcast. So you can actually pause the podcast right now and you can write down in whatever language you think you're comfortable with. If you want to do it in English, that's great. But pause the episode right now and write down two important lessons that you are taking with you at, at the end of this episode. Okay. So you can hit the pause right now. I'm, we're going to continue here, Mike. But sure. what is... Like our final thoughts, our key takeaways, Mike, what's more important when it comes to input? Is it quantity or is it quality? Oh, I think, I think we pretty much came to a consensus that it's quality, right? And I think mm -hmm. most SLA research, second language 
um, acquisition research suggests that it's the quality of exposure that's important, right? Mm -hmm. And what that means is that you need to have like, you know, a variety of different types of language use and also specific, Leo. It needs to mm -hmm. be specific with that target community. So I'm thinking like you suggested earlier, podcasts are great. Also, interviews are great because they're dialogic, right? Yes. If you watch a TED Talk, you might think, oh, this will help me with my speaking. When's the next? When's the last time you stood up at a bar and gave a TED Talk presentation, right? It, it's not real. You need, the, you need the give and take of a yes. conversation. So exactly. you got to listen to interviews. You got to listen to conversations. Find out how to survive when the conversation gets messy, when, mm -hmm. it, when it's a jungle, right? Um, but also, of course, you got to learn the, the, the formal ones as well, because for many of our listeners, they are trying to get to university. They do want to be better presenters at their job, at school, and so on. So mm -hmm. it's, it's quality. It's having a mixture, but hopefully a specific mixture, uh, or a, rather a mixture that's specific to your life and your, mm -hmm. your own um, target community, right? Yes. In other words, Mike, I think what we're trying to say is that you need a rich and balanced diet of input. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Yeah. Instead of a very restricted, as you said, input light, I love that term, um, impoverished, restricted, <laughs> simplified diet of sentence level examples from, from your grammar book or, or very scripted, neatly created dialogues from a textbook where there are no uh, natural occurrences or natural um, instances of, of things that we normally do, like we start a sentence and halfway through, we just stop that sentence and then we start over again. That's what we need, folks. And the best place for you to get this rich, balanced diet of input is where, Mike? Is with the self-directed learning portal here at Learn Your English. And that's it. That's it. That's we it, are going to uh, wrap up this episode, episode 13, um, the three essentials of language learning. We're going to be back um, next month with episode 14, um, where we're going to be looking at motivation. The M. The M. Motivation. The big M. The big M. Mike. Not Michael. Not this Right. <laughs> Um, anyway, I think we're, we're, we're good. I think we can, we can call it a day here. Yeah? All right. Take care, everyone. Stay safe, and we will see you next episode. All right. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.